0: today is going to be titled, Make a Difference. Making a Difference. Now, Church on the Rock, we've got four core values. We've been talking about that for the last several weeks. Not intentionally for my part to do that. Every week I'm like, God, what's this message going to be about? And it's just amazing to me to see the thread that just just winds in between all of these. But this week we're going to be talking about the fourth core of our of our four cores, which is making a difference. So, number one, we want people to know God. That's the whole thing. So, if you got a, a, a worship guide this morning when you walked in, it's right in there. It's the four cores are in there. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to not be held back by your past. We want you to discover your gifts and callings, what God has called you to do. And then we also want you to make a difference. There's a progression in that to know God. You can't make a difference until you really know God. You can't make a God difference until you know him. You can't be free from your past until you have this relationship with him, but they go hand in hand. But my question is, what is our end game? What's the end game of church? What should it be? And I can't talk for all the other churches around the world, the United States, but us, what is our end game? Is it just simply fire insurance? Is it simply just, I want to go to heaven instead of hell? I mean, I think everybody could come into agreement on that, no matter where you're at, whether you love God or you hate God, whether you like church or you don't, any of those things, you could say, I do not want to go to hell. I've never met anybody that says, yeah. I mean, if you think it's a party, that's a different story, but it's certainly not. But is more than fire insurance. I'm always curious whenever I... Meet people and talk to them, and they don't like God's word. They don't like God's house. They don't like God's people. They don't like God's things at all, and yet they want to go to heaven. It's like, why in the world would you want to spend eternity with things that right now you don't like, and you pretty much try and stay as far away as you can? It's just fire insurance. But what's our end game? Is it just about getting people saved? That's a wonderful thing. Is it just to get people to know God? Is that enough? Is it just about getting them on that path and go, okay, so we have a big crusade and get lots and lots of people saved and go, okay, we got those numbers, let's now try and find more and more people we can get saved. Well, then we'll take the next step and we'll have the the step of water baptism. So we're going to publicly declare our faith in God and then that's it. Is that the end game? I want to suggest to you, it's not. Jesus said in John 10.10 that he's come that we have life and life more abundantly. I can have life. My heart's beating. There's air going in and out of my lungs, as are all of you, because you're still here with me. But just because I have life, I have breath, my heart's still pumping, does not mean I'm happy does not mean that I'm living an abundant life. So if I accept Christ, does that automatically make me have an abundant life? I'm going to suggest to you it doesn't. It is the step, certainly. It is the first step. You can't go any other steps at all but I've met plenty of people that they said the prayer one day in conviction and they walked the aisle even and they, they came up to the front and they did the public declaration and they never, ever did anything else. Never read their Bible. Never went to church again. Never did anything. And they're like, okay, I got that checkbox off. I want to suggest to you, there's more. The abundant life comes in when we get in the process of God and we follow through it. If you'll turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 2, we're going to look at a story of a situation that Jesus was in. He'd been ministering in all these other areas and towns, and he is coming back with his disciples. And we pick it up here. And when he, Jesus, had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. So he's kind of home-basing out of Capernaum, and he's got all these other ministries that he's going out to, all these other cities, but when he comes home, that's kind of like home-base for him. So after he was there for a little bit, everybody starts saying, hey, I saw Jesus at Tom Thumb last week. I saw him yesterday. Oh, he was at Whole Foods yesterday. Oh, I said, yeah, he's back in town. Isn't that awesome? Man, oh, I can't wait to have more from him. I can't wait for him to teach again. So then they started gathering together in verse two. So there was no longer room in the building. So can you imagine a building like this? It's kind of small and there's just so many seats. There's just so much physical room. It says that many were gathered together and there was no longer any room, nor even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. So Jesus is just back in town, and all the people excited. Many of them just came together, and they just packed this place out. And Jesus is just ministering to them. He's just giving the word out to them. And can't you just see him on the edge of their seat? They're just just taking it all in. It's just all wonderful. Verse 3. And then they came bringing him a paralyzed guy carried by four men. So these four guys this friend, had another friend who, for whatever reason, became paralyzed. We don't know why. We don't know what happened, if it's an accident, if he was born that way. We don't know anything other than the fact that he's paralyzed, and he has four friends who know enough about Jesus. They said, if we can get him to Jesus, because we heard he's in town, Jesus can make a difference in his life. So they're bringing him, and I love how it goes on to say, they bring him on a pallet. Now, can you think of anything more uncomfortable to be brought in? I mean, you're, you're paralyzed. You can't move. You can't do anything. But I bet you can still feel and be uncomfortable. And there's this wooden pallet that your four friends are carrying you on. That is not going to be luxurious and comfortable You know, I'm sure they had the little slings like they sell on infomercials, you know, where you can lift up refrigerators. And they're like, you got a sling over there. But they're tripping and they're falling. He's like, oh, on the wooden pallet. It's it's just not comfortable at all. But man, where's he going? He's not going anywhere. And he's got this chance because he's heard Jesus is back. So they bring him. Verse 4, but being unable to get to him, Jesus, because of the crowd... His four friends. They removed the roof above him, and when they dug an opening, they let down the pallet of the where the paralytic, the paralyzed guy was lying. So, put yourself in the Bible. (laughs) Jesus is back in town. He had a few days off. And then everybody hears about it. He comes in. He's then just opening back up, and he's just giving the loving word from God to these people. They're packed in here, and they're all sitting on the edge of their seats, and all of a sudden you hear... It's kind of hard to keep going, right? Because all of a sudden there's... there's... Movement. There's noise coming up. There's like, is this an earthquake? What's going? Wait, wait, wait. There's dust coming down from the roof. and, And then there's stuff going on here. And think about the hole they had to cut in that roof to lower a pallet. They interrupted everything that was going on. Can you imagine being in a church service and all of a sudden the roof starts someone's jackhammering up there trying to get into here? It's like, what in the world is going on here? But the cool thing is, his friends brought him on a pallet. We don't know how far. Maybe he's close. Maybe he's in town. They were walking because they didn't have cars. Maybe it's a long way they brought him. They could have said, you know, I'm sorry, buddy. It's packed. There's not any room for us to get in. We'll come back tomorrow. We'll find out later where Jesus is going to be and We'll give it another shot. Maybe he'll be in, you know, American Airlines Center next week and we'll be able to go in there and we'll for sure be able to get you in there. They said, no, today is your day that we're trying to get you to Jesus. Because they knew when they got him to Jesus, there was the power to change his life. Now, they didn't have the power to change his life, but they knew that there was someone and they'd heard that Jesus was back in town. So they went, again, put yourself in the Bible. They came here expecting to walk through the door, carry their their friend in, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, and bringing them up to Jesus and maybe bring him right to an altar area. And Jesus would see him and go, oh, my compassion is here for you, son. Wake, get get up, walk up. And God would heal them. They had this image in their mind, undoubtedly how it was going to go. And they reached the door and it's packed. They can't get in. Well, now we got to make a trip to Home Depot. I don't think they carried the ladder in their, on their backs. I don't think they came prepared to crawl up on the roof and tear the roof off. Do you? So they had to say, okay, hold on. Don't go anywhere. He wasn't. But <laughs> you don't just hang out here because we're going to go find some things. When got a ladder, put it up there, had to go find some tools. This isn't like a one-minute job, okay? It's, it's a pretty big job to go up there and rip the roof off, to dig a hole big enough that this pallet can fit in, buy some extra rope so you can lower the guy down. Do you see this wasn't just a three-minute job, this is something that took some intentionality and took some inconvenience. because it, could, it would have been so much easier to say, hey, it didn't work out today. It didn't work out like we thought. Buddy, we gave it a good shot. We're, we'll try again later, tomorrow. Verse 5. Jesus seeing their faith, not the faith of the paralyzed guy, the faith of the four friends said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, isn't that the most crazy answer? Let's think about it for a second, okay? The place is packed. These people cut a hole in the roof, interrupted everything, and they lower this guy that can't move. He's obviously paralyzed. He's there. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you? What in the world are you thinking, Jesus? Okay, let's deal with my sins later. I, I, I can't move. I'm paralyzed. You see, Jesus was showing us a pattern that we can't move beyond anything else of what our needs are until he deals with what our sins are. Jesus had to get this man to the place where he knew God, that his sins were forgiven, that he's in the kingdom of God, and that he's walking on that path before the next step is to free him from the things that have held him back, to find freedom. He wasn't free being paralyzed on a pallet. So now everybody's all upset. It's all people that are on the edge of their seats just listening to what Jesus said. Now they're upset. Who does this guy think he is that he can forgive sins? Okay, so last week we saw that there was all these magicians and sorcerers and all these other different people who would, you know, there was options for following God. And so they're used to spectacular things happening. You know, the, the rod being thrown down from Moses turning into a snake, and then the sorcerers, they do it too. You know, so there's this competition back and forth. But nobody says... Your sins are forgiven you. Verse 8, immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, the paralyzed guy, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. Jesus is saying, hey, do you have the power to heal him? Which is easier to say? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. Verse 12. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out of the sight of everybody. Okay, now, again, stop. Stop the presses. Think about it. Okay, They're here. Jesus is back in town. They're all here, sitting on the edge of the seat, just listening to a Man, we're so excited. Many of them came out to hear him, and, and it's so full. And then all of a sudden, they rip the roof off. This guy falls down, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. And, and then he says, well, why in the world? And then, then he says, okay, now get up and walk. And then this guy that's paralyzed stands up picks up the pallet, and now walks back. Excuse me, pardon me, can't you see the thing? Just, the whole place is clearing for him. And they're all standing there amazing, like, what just happened? Wouldn't you? It's like, what, what is going on here? And he got up, immediately picked up the pallet, and went out of the sight of everyone. So they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So he went out again by the seashore. So he left there and he went to the next place. The next part I had highlighted. And all the people were coming to him. And he was teaching them. But we can look back at verse 2. Verse 2 says, many were gathered. Jesus in this town of Capernaum. They knew as his home base, he was, this is where he's out of, so people undoubtedly seen him a lot. They started hearing he was coming. So many of them came. But when God did this unbelievable miracle in verse 13, the many turned into all the people. Because when you see that God is able to touch your friend, and take this guy that's paralyzed and can't move. And was carried in on this pallet. And then he carried the pallet out on his own back on the way out. That's unbelievable. Can I suggest to you that you have a friend that needs a touch from Jesus? They may not be paralyzed in the natural, but they may have things that are paralyzing them. They may have fear that's paralyzing them. They may have depression that's paralyzing them. They may have all of these other things that just have them like, ah! And you don't even know it. There's so many people that are struggling with cutting, suicidal thoughts, not feeling worthy, worth of anything All of these different things that are so hidden that paralyzes, it just keeps them in this place. But if you can just get them to Jesus, Jesus is able to make a change. So let's just be clear. The house didn't make the change. The roof being ripped off didn't make the change. The number of people that was crowded in that room did not have anything to do with this. Jesus did The miracle. Jesus said, Before I can even get to you walking, you need to know me. We have new cards that we're going to pass out in just a moment. And I want to just clear everything. Absolutely. Don't confuse what I'm saying at all. This is to invite people to church, but it has nothing to do with this church has nothing to do with filling every one of these seats, filling three services, going to a fourth. It has nothing to do with that at all. You know what it has to do with? Seeing God change someone's life. To see God change your friend's life. I'm encouraging you to take some of these with you. And maybe it's to just give to your friend and say, hey, this is the church I'm going to. This is the church I went and checked out. This is... A place I went, I'm thinking about going again, or would you go with me, or whatever. It tells, you are made to belong, gives the services, the times, our little tagline that we're the church with no rules and no judging, that there's just a place that you can come and let God just be God. God will show you. Shows you all the different little things. It's got the QR code that you can get our app. It's got a map that you can't read, unless you have your magnifying glasses on. It's got nice to It's got our address. It's got all this Stuff, But what if we gave this to a couple of people? Again, not because we need more people here. My prayer isn't to have a church filled with church people. My prayer, my desperate cry to God is that people will bring their friends and God will do a change in their lives and then that many will turn into all. Because when you see God change your friend's life, everything changes. I've got someone in my life that I have intentionality with, and I'm just going to tell you, he's one of the vilest persons I've ever met in my life. Half the time, I want to block him on my phone from just the wretched things that he says. When I'm with him, I cannot... It just like, ugh, it grinds inside of me. But I have a vision of that guy coming into this church. He's visited the church last week to see the actual building. But I have a vision of that guy coming in here and God changing his life. And when God changes his life, notice I said when, okay? When God changes his life, all the people around him will go, what? I have another friend who posted on Facebook last week that in all of the religions of the world, I'm going to hell. And I'm like, oh. It's not about that. But when we see God change this guy's life, this girl's life, and then all their friends it turns from being many people come or a couple of people come to church on Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday morning to lots of people like, I've got to go see that Jesus. Nothing to do with us. But we're trying to create an atmosphere that God can do something. So we got 21 days of prayer coming up. Let me ask you, what intentionality can you give for your friends? It was not convenient for those four guys. It was not easy. They had to go way out of their comfort zone and then extend further yet. I'm asking you to come and be a part of 21 Days of Prayer. Unashamedly. Because you know what? We're going to intercede for my friend and your friend. We have the connection cards that we lay up on the altar, and we pray over those, and we're just asking God to change their lives. Getting up and being here at 6 o'clock in the morning, being here for an hour, is a sacrifice. It is not easy. And the, the, the places that you live, and however far it is or however close it is, even if you live next door, it is still a sacrifice. But can I suggest to you, for 21 days... That sacrifice can make the difference in a friend's life. See, it's all about seeing God turning lives into harvests. We looked at a couple of weeks ago when Jesus was at the well with the woman, and she left her basket and ran into town and came back with everybody. Why did they come back with everybody? Because Jesus had changed her life. That she went and told everybody, come meet a man. Can I suggest to you, when someone comes into this church and God changes their life in the worship, in the message, just walking in and feeling the presence of God, they're gonna come and say, I don't know what it is about that place. But it's you've got to come be with me. You know, we planted this church just on a, a call from God. It wasn't easy. It wasn't, everything didn't line up right. We didn't have everything we needed. It wasn't all those things. There's a lot of times that we were setting up and tearing down and just putting the effort out there and no one was there but us, the people who were working to do it. And it's like, can't we just do this in the living room? We don't have to set up all this stuff anymore. It's like, we're preparing a place. We're preparing. Planting roots in Plano. We're doing this. Even the last couple of weeks, everyone's been coming and working and taking the lights down, putting them back up, and we've had some stuff for inspections and all this stuff, and there's been so many people that are working that you don't even see what they're doing. Michael and Jesse and John. And it can get really tiresome. But can I suggest to you it was not easy for those guys to rip the roof off. And I doubt that they left the roof open. I think that if everyone else went home, they got some more materials from Home Depot and went back up there and fixed the roof. It took something from them. This Saturday is serve day. A great opportunity for us to make a splash in our community. To let them know that there is a God in heaven who loves them. That we're not here with our hand out. We don't want anything from you. We just want to be a blessing. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads with me. These friends were passionate about getting their friend who was paralyzed to Jesus. I am passionate about getting my friends who are paralyzed to Jesus. I hope that you're challenged as well today. And whether you're sitting here in the service, you're listening on the podcast or you're watching the video, you're watching online live, wherever you are within the sound of my voice, you may be at various stages in this process. You may say, Pastor Kevin, I've never accepted Christ. But man, what I hear and what, I, what, what, what I'm seeing the story, and I feel like today's my day. Or you may say, you know, I once knew Christ. I, I made a decision a long time ago, and I'm like the one you talked about that, I just made the decision and never did anything with it. If I'm honest with you, I'm far from God today. Just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer. And I want to include you in that prayer. And then we're going to pray another prayer. For all of us to be challenged, to be like those four friends. But just like Jesus said, before I can even get to the matter of helping you with your being paralyzed. We need to talk about your sins. We need to talk about that that's separating you from God. If that's you, that this morning you would say, I need to come back to God or I need to come to God for the first time. I'm asking you to make that decision. It's not even something you have to understand completely. It says in the disciples that they were with Jesus for two years and then they said they believed. You don't have to understand everything about God to get on the path. So if that's you, in all the different places you can hear my voice, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. We're not going to embarrass you, but I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer and mean it. I'm not going to say it out loud. We're just going to say it in our heads. I want you to say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son to die in my place. To pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father God, I thank you for everyone who made that prayer decision today, whether it's for the first time or a coming back. Lord, I pray that we live an abundant life, that this isn't just about making a decision and walking away, but that we truly make a difference. Lord, that we walk through knowing you, finding freedom, discovering our purpose, and then end up making a difference, that we're the four guys, we're the four friends. They're going to be inconvenienced to bring our friend who needs you. Father God, this word, this message challenges me. I ask you to use us to simply bring people to you and then help them walk through the path. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.